Greetings, ghouls and goblins, and thank you for following the Reese's Pieces to our doorstep. Welcome to Uber Cinco, the podcast sacrifice where we take stupid shit and put it on a list. I am Brian Van Ernstevik, Transylvania's premier podcast host and amateur DJ. Hire me. Today, our soon-to-be-bled-out contestants reveal and defend their top five haunts you wish you were a party to. The man to my right, and your due south, is a hellhound that howls from the bowels of Sopico's quaint restaurant district. It's Mitchell Brinkman. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Welcome. And it's Halloween, you guys. Today, I'm going to be listing off as 70s relief Cubs pitcher... Punky Fidrich. Uh, so let's do it. I'm, I'm ready to go. My arm is loose and my lips as well. Oh, sounds so sultry. And challenging the Ginger Prince is a fabled fella with plenty of mysterious things to be unfurled. The Book of Spells will one day crack. It's Mr. Nathan Hennenfint. How are you, sir? I'm I'm well. And I looked before we started rolling for the last Halloween costume I wore, which was a monkey in a business suit because my nieces like to accuse me of monkey business but i couldn't find it so now i'm just wearing my bathrobe (laughs) as a reminder don't forget to stick with us until the end of the show where i brian von ernstovic will give you my fast five send-off where i'll rattle off the definitive list of the top five scarring halloween costumes to see your loved ones in and enough of this. And a quick message for our returning listeners. We love pleasing your ear holes and are always looking for more to fill. So please consider dropping us a review wherever you download fine podcasts and be sure to share with your friends. And if you have a topic or fast five you are dying for us to cover, head on over to bizbear.biz to submit your suggestion. We may even battle it out on an upcoming episode. And for you newbies, let us wake you out of hibernation with a quick rundown of the rules. Each player in the den has spent time with today's topic, arranging their top five answers in order of importance. Those answers have been submitted to the host who will moderate the game, awarding points to the player with the most poignant answer. Starting with their number five choice, we'll move up the ranks until we reach each of their top answers. But if both contestants happen to have the same answer on their list, well, we have an you will hear the official Uber Cinco siren, and both players must reveal their answer and what number they ranked their submission. An Uber stare down is all or nothing, with one player earning three points. After all answers have been read, the host will reveal the final score. And as host, I am entitled to institute a house rule for today's game, which will be simple and on brand for today's theme. Bonus points to the fella who creeps me out the most. Mitch is already winning with that fro. Nathan, you won the <laughs> Nathan, you won the pre All Hallows Eve bingo game, so you will go first with your number five. Okay, uh, number five. This is something I just learned about recently. I was polling some friends about some legends and myths and and spooky tales that I may not be aware of. A friend of mine from Tennessee brought to attention the Bell Witch. So I looked up the Bell Witch. And I fell in love. Uh, the Bell Witch is a, a pretty uh, eccentric ghost. So the Bell family lived on a farm near a cave. And so one of the, the first story I read was, you can still go and tour this cave. Uh, it's open to the public. 
And so Betsy Bell, who was the daughter in the family and her friends went and they were exploring in the cave. And then one little rascal decided he was going to crawl into a crevasse and he got (laughs) stuck. So this voice, this disembodied voice cries out, I'll get him out. And then (laughs) the bell witch gives him a little shove, pushes him back. And then the disembodied voice of the bell witch proceeded to give the children a lecture on the dangers of reckless cave exploring unsupervised (laughs) with no adults or chaperones. (laughs) So this is this is allegedly in the like the early 1800s, but it sounds like an episode of the magic school bus. But uh, wow, it gets I. Oh, Go ahead. Uh, 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 <laughs> I, I, I was gonna say, I it, it sounds like the like the local college their mascot has to be like the spelunking spirits, the the, the galloping ghost. <laughs> <laughs> but they, she she had a few other uh, exploits that were spooky in, in unconventional ways. Like the, there is a word spread, like people like Andrew Jackson were coming to find out about the Bell Witch, and it was it was. Became very famous, but uh, a guy from England shows up to investigate. He's volunteering. He's going to put himself in the line of fire. And then the disembodied voice of the bell witch comes back and like, all right, we need to prove that this is real. So, you know, say something to me that only I would know and nobody else, you know, could possibly know about me. And she spoke in the voice with the English accents of his parents. So that freaked him out. Mm-hmm. And then, and then she started receiving word from his parents. She was his parents were hearing his voice all the way over in England. So she was uh, two places at once, and so she started relaying messages back and forth to them in real time. And this isn't haunting. She's just inventing the cell phone. This is really <laughs> remarkable. <laughs> so then she had some other uh, good intentioned uh uh haunts like she warned betsy bell from marrying a ne'er-do-well she eventually called off the the wedding uh she regarded lucy bell who's the matriarch of the family as and this is a quote the most perfect woman to walk the earth and she would bring her gifts such as fruit who doesn't love fruit however she did poison uh john bell (laughs) senior after threatening him for several years one little thing (laughs) and then And then at his funeral, she interrupted the congregation by boisterously singing drinking songs. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I personally, I personally would love to meet the Bell Witch. I'm going to be taking a trip down to Tennessee as soon as uh, COVID is not a thing anymore. Uh, so, you know, maybe 30, 40 years from now, I'm hoping to meet the Bell Witch. I hope I don't get poisoned. But if I do, you know, I... Th- who better to get poisoned by? But hopefully I, I learn a lesson about uh, simple spelunking safety or and brought some some figs or whatever the case may be. I don't know what they grow in Tennessee. But yeah, the Bell Witch. It was a lot of fun learning about her today. <laughs> so I like how this started from something that initially sounded like it was created by the marketing company that created Smokey the Bear. Then it goes <laughs> down this rabbit hole to like, oh, it's she's the actually the Alexander Graham Bell Witch. She's communicating across the the ocean here, and now she can do a bunch of magical stuff and is poisoning people probably. So she's I mean, unpredictable. What a roller coaster! <laughs> I feel like we've gone on a little ride here. <laughs> and I'm glad we learned something today. Oh man, what would the modern day bell witch be if 
someone was to make up something off the cuff to keep a kid from going somewhere. And would any kids buy it <laughs> today? I don't think it'd be like, shut up, mom. It was it's not a, it I would mean, be really Google hard to fool so kids strong. now. Yeah. <laughs> they already like what are you gonna tell them and say that's that's not plausible because their phone can already do it? You know, yeah. We hold something in our pocket that can do anything that would have been considered witchcraft up until 10 years ago. So there's, I don't know how you're going to fool children anymore. It's <laughs> yeah. The bell, which of the 21st century says TikTok causes you to lose everything out your scrotum. <laughs> Stay off the phones. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the closest yeah. I got. I was I, I was gonna say I feel like the the strength of of uh, religions you know are still there in our world so maybe something that's scaring kids with religion but is anyone religious anymore it doesn't feel like it uh, that's actually not but, a bad thing like somebody would like who wants to keep people in a religion comes up with a version of the bell witch to scare people scare them yeah. back straight into staying with said religion yeah yeah it's like making up like some sort of monster with a tail and two horns that will tempt you into doing terrible things and then there's a horrible place where there's fire and brimstone and you'll be tortured i mean that might work that's kind of spooky history yeah. repeats itself amazing <laughs> wow oh god all right mitch you need to top this what's your number five to top the bell witch yeah so my number five um it's not a it's not a uh a uh well-known phenomena like the bell witch but it is something that happened to me personally and i felt like i was inside of the start of a horror film um and i was at a little tavern that uh my costume tonight for those of you uh listening on youtube um that my costume punky fidget would have uh, definitely gone and had a beer at before uh, in the 70s i was at the lnl tavern and this was about two years ago it was on a Sunday night, and I was there with my girlfriend, and we were about to embark on NaNoWriMo, which is you write a novel in 30 days. And we were looking for, for chaff. We, we were looking for material. We were looking for gris. You know, what better place than the l l Tavern? Uh, for those of you that don't know, it's a famous killer-friendly bar. Um, and this, my number five, is the loner that we met at this bar. And uh, Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer's serial killer, used to drink here on a regular basis. John Wayne Gacy, serial killer, uh, <laughs> was confirmed to have had a drink at this bar. Um, it's a, it's, it hasn't changed since I don't know when it opened. It could be the '60s, could be the '30s. No idea. Um, the, 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 the cigarette smoke sits in the walls. It sits in the floor. It sits in the chairs. It's everywhere. Um, the, the, the smoke sits in the patrons. Uh, they, I've ne- never seen a more uh, leathery and um, sad bunch. Like, you know, they, they, they change size with every breath. It's like they're all cigarettes themselves kind of. Uh, but so we're, we're at the bar here. And, of course, we stick out like sore thumbs. We have notebooks with us. We order our drinks. And this guy engages us and is talking to us. And he has this real creepy stare. He's clearly been drinking all day. Um, he no longer either has any money or he never brought any money to begin with because he's expecting the bartender to just give him drinks on credit, to just know that he's good for it, and or just telling the bartender to give him free drinks. What? And you can tell 
that the bartender like under like knows his danger because the bartender is spending as little time as possible near him. But this guy is telling us that like at any moment, at any moment, he could sleep with the bartender. Like he has her on a string. Like she is in his pocket. And again, wasted. Uh, imagine a man. He he's got like track pants on. Um, he had like a <laughs> turtleneck. He had sun like sporty sunglasses, but they were like up on his forehead. He was is where he had them. And but just had one of those stares where he just he looks at you, but it's like he's not. His eyes don't register your eyes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever looked at someone like that before. Like it's just dead inside. <laughs> and um, we 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 weren't rude. We weren't like, sir, stay away from us. So naturally, someone like this person, uh, you know, their 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 shoulders kind of hunch over, mm-hmm. and they kind of like create like a natural shell around you. Sort and, and you get he gets closer, and he gets closer with every minute. And he and he feigns the need to talk closer and closer and to listen closer and closer. Um, and he's got like hot, bad breath, you know, too, that where you've just been at the bar for seven hours straight, smoking and drinking and smoking and drinking. And he starts to uh, like brag to us. He brags about he has a house on the North Shore. He has a wife and kids. It's a nice house, but he's just slumming it. It's a Sunday. He's just slumming it in the city for the day watching football he claims and drinking that kind of thing but he hates his wife and, and he's he's ready to leave her for a younger woman and then he he starts telling us about his career as a professor at MIT how he's a, he's a brilliant man and how <laughs> when he was a professor there he would coerce and or suggest to female students that if they slept with him that they would get better grades and he did this with numerous students and the creepiest part where at this point uh, we both like Danny and I like had this unspoken. We just looked at each other and we knew like, okay, we need to extricate ourselves from the situation. After describing this, this professorial situation, he, he then said, and none of the women learned anything at all. And yeah. we just, oh, God. Oh, oh. and throughout this conversation he also made us aware he was like you guys know this is the killer bar right like this is where like absolute creeps hang out you know like this is where that and so like he was he was like just basically telling us that like we shouldn't trust anyone and should be wary of everyone around us and he kept trying to paint me as a really stupid frat boy to danny so he he kept he kept trying to drive a wedge between me and my girlfriend, you know, this stranger to him. Jeez. And 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 he kept he he said it like 10, 15 times, like, can you trust him? Danny, can you trust him? Are you sure you can trust this guy? As he was trying to create this relationship with her on the spot as if she should trust him and like dispose of me on the spot. Yeah. Um I was so uncomfortable. My body was tingling the whole time. I couldn't write anything down. We were there to like take notes or whatever, just write thoughts down or something, whatever. And it was like, we were going to have a beer, write for like 15 minutes and move on to another spot. And like the whole time, I just was like, I I feel uncomfortable. I don't want this guy to know my name, anything about me, how old I am, any identifying information where he could maybe look me up later anything of that nature and so as soon as he got up and he yelled at the bartender like 
I'm having a smoke. Like, get me another beer or whatever it was. Gets up to leave. I turn to look at Damien. I'm like, we're going right now. Let's, 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 we're out. 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 <sighs> and we're outside and we're booking it down the block. And I keep looking behind my back. Tr- hope, like, fingers crossed, this guy. I didn't expect him to necessarily follow us, but I also didn't want him to know like what direction we lived even. I, like I was that creeped out. And so we took a, a, a circuitous way home and both thoroughly creeped. I think we went to, to like Mariano's after that, you know, very well lit business for like a while. Mariano's and, is the closest oh, place. Yeah. Sanctuary. Just, sanctuary. Just the, just oh, the cleansing. The, 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 <clears throat> I, I, and also I needed to release that tension for you guys too. Just, just like the cleansing <laughs> brightness of the Mariano's fluorescence is incredible. And like we got some groceries and we go home. <clears throat> Excuse me. But then a month later, I shit you not, I'm walking home towards our house on Addison. And it's maybe like maybe two blocks, maybe three blocks max away from our house. And I'm walking by and I look to my right and there's these two gentlemen exiting an apartment building. And it is this exact same guy and another low life looking motherfucker. And yeah. And you know, you know how you watch scary movies and you're always like, I would never, I'd never clam up. I'd, I'd know what to do. I'd like, I'd snap to it and I'd know exactly which door to run to first and lock and which window to close second and all that kind of thing. I clammed up like a child and just like quickly walked home like I was about to shit my pants. Like that's all I could do. <laughs> It couldn't even text Dan. I was like, have my phone. I was like, I can't even, I just have to keep walking. I'm too, too conspicuous. Yeah. So to this day, I don't know if that, that was that man's house. And I mean, cause it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me that, you know, he didn't actually live in, on the North shore. He was just some weird, creepy, yeah, loner, for sure. drunk or whatever. Uh, like, was that his roommate? Was that his killing partner? Was that his best friend? Was that his lover? Who knows? I don't know. I- I so badly wish that it had turned out he lived in your building. Oh, God. It would be. God. And he was just really nice. He was just, when he got drunk, he just like, turned into a killer. Oh, that's a movie right there. turned out he was the neighbor from Home Alone, actually. He was, uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which well, we learned on that episode is, uh, is an origin of like an eight-year-long nightmare for me as a child. So, uh, yeah. All right. But taking a step back, how recent was this? This was uh, the end of 2018, so November okay, so it's so, so so it's been a little bit. Yeah. So between this encounter with the fellow at the bar, between an episode early on where you said you like to enjoy starting conversations with old people at diners, have you learned nothing about engaging <laughs> the public? <laughs> Why do you do this to yourself? This was this was this was easily easily the. The, the creepiest person I've ever met in Chicago, by far. I didn't feel the most at danger. That was when I was talking to a, a busboy who uh, claimed direct descendancy to a um, drug cartel leadership strain course, in Mexico. And, and <laughs> that happened too. And, and <laughs> you know, and claimed that his, that his friends were like coming there to meet us and like we should stick around because he wanted, he, he was hitting on my friend Maggie. And he wanted, he was interested, so he didn't want to be turned down. And so it'd be very smart of us not to, not to turn him down and to hang out with him. Um, 
Well, the good news here is you, there. you told the story publicly uh, uh, online, so now he can... Well, this is why you're yeah. wearing the disguise, right? This is... Exactly. A this form is of witness I'm, protection. I'm, I'm, I'm Punky Fidrich, 70s relief pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. Good. Now he uh, doesn't know who you actually are. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's time so. to score this round. Uh, Nathan, you, you you taught me something new about the Bell Witch. I'm definitely going to go down that rabbit hole. And you also used a lot of alliteration, um, spelunking, searching, and all this stuff. Really, really got to the uh, grammar nerd in me, so that was great. Mitch, I was only going to give you one point because you said that people's skin were leathery and full of tar. It gave me horrible flashbacks. The neighbors who used to live uh, by my parents' house, she smoked so much the bird cage in her house was just caked with tar. Oh God! Oh, yeah. that's a put that in a movie. Oh my oh, God. God! So her walls were yellow. The cage was brown. Somehow the birds lived, but because uh, you went into witness protection, I'm going to give you the full three points because it hey. really creeped me out. That was pretty. That was pretty messed up. Thank you. We are not going snake round today. We are going to bounce back to Wait, Mr. Wait, how, how many points did I get? You didn't you say. Got two. Uh, if, I, if I didn't say, you got two points. We are going to move on to Nathan for his number four. Nathan hit us. My number four, I'm sticking with the mo- mostly uh, generous uh, ghosts. I'm going with the most generous ghost of them all. The Ghost of Christmas Present from Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. Oh my god! <laughs> but but even more specifically, the gigantic felt version that escorted Michael Caine around in the Muppet version <laughs> of A Christmas Carol from 1992, directed by Brian Henson, uh, starring the great Gonzo as Charles Dickens, <laughs> and as I mentioned, Sir Michael Caine as uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. So. <laughs> Number one, if you know, I, hopefully I don't have to be haunted by the ghosts of Christmas uh, past, who's a bit oh, creepy. Oh, you will, you will, yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> reliving, reliving my past is is something I do every day in my mind, and my therapist and I are working <laughs> on it. But we'll we'll leave that for another episode. And then, of course, the ghost of Christmas future, who just shows me my death. Well, that's not that's not fun for anybody. But the ghost of Christmas present. Hopefully, I'll get to sing the sing the little song uh, that they do in the Muppet version. But also, I could be transported to Christmas parties all across town. Scrooge goes to his nephew Fred's. <laughs> he goes to the Cratchit house. He goes to poor family. He goes to like seventeen different Christmas parties in one day. But he he's not seen. He doesn't have to interact with anybody. He just gets to go and enjoy. He, you know, I'm sure. The ghost can do anything he wants. He, I can, he'll allow me to, to eat the food and drink and I won't have, you know, I won't be full. I'll get to eat about as many Christmas dinners in one day as I want. Nobody can see me. And if we're true to the, the, the book and the films, I get to stay in my bathrobe all day. That's how I like to spend Christmas day. 90% of the Christmas days of my life have just been in my pajamas and bathrobe all day. As they should be. Yes. Don't change out of it. I smell terrible at the end of it. Of course. And I'm bloated and a little too drunk. And but but this is the other great thing is every I'll know everything that happened, I'll know everything that my relatives and friends and family said about me in my absence. <laughs> and then and they'll they won't think I was there, but they'll they'll be they'll by the end of the day they'll have a, a little too much uh, mold wine and eggnog and they'll be pretty toasty. 
And then I'll be able to recount memories of the day and they'll be like, I didn't think you were there. And I'll be like, oh, well, you just you threw a few too many back and they'll never be able to prove that I wasn't. And then they'll say like, well, you're not in any of the pictures. I'm like, yeah, because I was taking them. So I get to have I get to have an endless Christmas all in one day uh, while being haunted by a ghost. I don't see how there's any negatives here. So mm. there you go. Mm. Ghost of Christmas present. The big gregarious man in the green robe himself. That's my number four. But isn't the Ghost I, of Christmas present trying to show you all the things you're missing out on presently? <laughs> well, well, yeah, but it would. <laughs> but maybe, maybe, he, maybe he got yeah. like maybe he got the wrong apartment number, and so he's just showing me stuff I would have had, but it's just it's just even more. So, so it's espionage leading you and it's breaking and entering without the breaking and entering is what you're hoping to get. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, an abundance of joy and gifts. I'm hoping for Christmas at Halloween basically is what I'm hoping for. Sort of a reverse nightmare before Christmas situation. Nice. Now you said you're going to smell at the end of uh, a Christmas (laughs) holiday. Uh, What is... What's that aroma? Walk us through that. Is that a nightmare in and of itself? <laughs> well, it's it, it's it's a mixture of the bad and the good. I mean, I'll smell like a grown man who hasn't changed out of his pajamas for twenty four hours and hasn't gotten up off the couch. But I'll hold have some on, nice on, some cinnamon. It, it, it's longer than twenty four hours, right? I mean, like you probably have the same boxers on, right, as you put on on the twenty third. Well, it's, it depends on how the twenty fourth goes. No, I, I, I do. I do like to have a nice Christmas Eve, uh, Christmas Eve uh, stint in the hot tub. So you know, there there'll be that. Oh, you, you guys don't do the Christmas Eve in the hot tub. <laughs> I, what? Oh, you you live very different lives than I do. <laughs> Apparently, oh, man. <laughs> I do. My, uh, d- d- uh, our Minnesota tradition is the uh, Christmas Eve cold shower uh, before you put to bed, uh, <laughs> expecting just one gift in the morning. That's it. So, uh. well, I'd, I'd also I would also smell of, of, of cinnamon and, and cloves, and uh, oh, of course, yeah, you know, a little bit of the, the the turkey and dressing would be we'd be filtering through there as they would be dribbling down my flannel pajama shirt. So. <laughs> It would, uh, yeah. I love Christmas. What can I say? <laughs> do you do you guys always have a turkey on Christmas as well? So it's turkey on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yes, actually, no. We 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 usually have a, a ham at Christmas. Oh, okay, uh, cool. Lots okay. of we have the stuffing. We we do a, we do an egg casserole uh, every Christmas morning with oh. some cinnamon rolls. Ooh. My next door neighbor Lois Kelly always brings us a nice cake that she decorates. It's been the exact same cake for the 34 years that I've been alive. It's been the same cake every year. Looks flawless. Maybe she made them all back in the 70s and they've been in the freezer. I don't know. But they are identical. Yeah. And delicious. (laughs) Um, Do you think any of them any years has ever had syrup of epicac or arsenic in any of them? Yes. Yes, okay. I do. <laughs> but but in my back to Halloween. Spooky, but, but in, in my know. in my scenario, I get that whole day that I've just described to you. But I also true. will be at the uh, Brinkman and Ernst residence. You won't see me, but I'll be there. I'll get to participate in all the fun traditions that that you have. I'll get to smell all the aromas that you smell like by the end of Christmas Day, whatever those may be. Do you do you see what I do on Christmas Eve? Uh, when the rest of my family goes up to bed and I'm the last one up. 
I will be there for that. Yes. Okay. And I'm looking okay. forward to it. <laughs> okay. All right. We okay, actually um, skin and dry age a whole reindeer hanging the jerky in the living room. So you're going to see quite the show. <laughs> I, that's Nordic. I'm, that I'm, sounds I'm ter- very Nordic. I'm terrified yeah. to ask where you get the reindeer. Is this Santa's reindeer itself that you you kidnap while Who the he's delivering the presents? Who cares about Donner? Fuck Donner. But that's, but that's one year. You've got, you've, only, you've got maximum nine years and then Santa's out of reindeer. Well... We've only been doing it for eight, so 2020 might be the end of this uh, tradition. So, way to end the year. (laughs) If you're listening, Vixen, get the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, on to Mitch, your number four. What's your your spooky haunt you would like to be a party to? Sure, yeah. Um, Mine is... um a uh, one that is very well known, but uh, it fascinates me to no end, and that is to experience the Winchester Mansion spirit bonanza. I'm calling it. Um, so uh, this was built by um, Sarah Winchester, who was the widow of William Winchester, who I believe was the son of the founder of Winchester Repeating Arms, the gun company. So he dies, and this young lady. Uh, prior to her husband passing, she had a child die as well uh, from a horrible disease where, like, I read the child just kind of wastes away. Very sad. Mm. Uh, but she inherited um, what would be in today's money $500 million. But this is in, like, the uh, mid-1800s or early 1800s. And then also she gets half of the Winchester gun company as well. So she's bringing in equivalent of like $26,000 uh, a day from this company as well. So she's got just oodles and boodles of cash and they're living on the East coast as all rich people did in those, in those uh, days. And she sees a psychic and the psychic tells her uh, claiming to be speaking through her husband that she needs to move out of her house, go West, build a new house to um, house all of the spirits that have been killed and lives ruined by the guns that her that that their company has created, mm-hmm. so she heads west. She buys a simple farmhouse at the time in what is now San Jose, and just starts building. There's no architect. She hires builders, um, and the way the house gets designed and built is through daily and or weekly seances for psychics that are communicating with the spirits there that tell her how to build this house. Utter insanity. Again, this setup, she has unlimited cash to do this. Uh, and of course, so, I'm so, sure every- so in other words, it's just a bunch of people standing in a circle, making things up. That's what we're getting at, right? Yes, exactly. Okay, cool. And so at the end of this house construction, it takes a long time. And also what well, Part of it, too, was that people think that Sarah believed if she was ever done constructing the house, then the spirits would get her and she'd be killed, basically. So, like, she was always, always in construction, technically. Uh, but at her, de- at her death, the house, um, it was seven stories, which is just obviously insane. It had 161 rooms, 47 fireplaces, 10,000 uh, windows. Two basements. 10,000 windows. 10,000 windows. Wow. Um, there was a number of 
like original Tiffany pieces, some that e- that she even designed herself, like with the with the Tiffany designers, Tiffany windows that were placed in uh, locations that would never actually get sunlight on them because she had windows on interior walls. Uh, I mean, just absolute, absolute insanity. Um, and uh, the, uh, what else I have here? The, 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 uh, oh, sorry, three elevators as well. And this house was crazy because it had uh, hot running water. It had indoor plumbing. It had uh, forced uh, heat, which is like at this time in when it was like 1850 or whenever it was finished, like no houses had that. You know, at this time when they first started building this house, the president was Andrew Jackson. So he yes, was like it's all pre Civil War. We're talking yeah, here pre Civil War with modern. So, yeah. yeah. Um. So just like utter, utter fucking bananas going on here. Uh, out in 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 California here, and uh, uh, out of the thirteen bathrooms in the home, only one was functional at the end. Um, in an effort, in an effort to confuse any ghosts who are wishing to haunt a spigot. Um, so, <laughs> interest, right? Yeah, and uh, she would sleep in a different room every single night because there was like forty bedrooms. And she would take secret passageways from room to room so ghosts and spirits could not follow her. And I, 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 I deign to suggest perhaps a spirit could follow her because they can just go through walls, right? I mean, Casper. Um, if we're guessing that a spirit can come through whatever realm it is that she believes in to go from that world to this, she thinks some studs and plaster are going to keep them from seeing her go through this tunnel? Like, what the hell's the point of this? Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think some people and I think uh, fair enough were like, maybe she's a little, you know, who knows? A little, little, a little crazy. I, I for one, admire crazy. this woman. Yes. I admire this woman because every day when she woke up, she had a goal. She had an objective. She had a plan. She mm-hmm. executed it. She had to be very fulfilled by all of this. Yeah. She wasn't she wasn't just aimlessly. She wasn't getting getting up and stroking her carrot and playing xbox she had <laughs> shit to do and at Every the end day. of the day when she had another wing built on with a staircase that went to nowhere she had to feel a real sense of accomplishment yeah. and she yeah. woke up the next morning and she's like yep i fought off the ghost one more day and you know what i'm gonna fucking do that shit again mm-hmm. she's like I'm- boys build me a room where all my cucumbers can live for the rest of their days thank you <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah, every day. The, the Cucatorium, it was called. Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> goal number one, every single day, confuse the ghosts. You know, very yeah. few people can say that. Um, but, I mean, this this house, it's still open. You can go see it. You can go walk through whatever. Um, there's obviously tons of, Nathan mentioned, stairways nowhere. There was, like, stairways uh, to um, that, that have different rises and runs. Um, uh there's like 2000 doors in the, in the, in the house, like the original structure of the house. There's some that just like open onto um, like a 15 foot fall onto a random kitchen. One of them opens onto an, <laughs> uh, on an exterior wall. Why? Yeah. <laughs> At least put a just, brick wall there or something. What's the point? It just, it, it just made no sense. She just, they just build it to build it. You just build it to build well, it. So ghosts, ghosts notoriously susceptible to gravity. Yes. So. <laughs> right? Nice yeah. little booby trap. 
<laughs> yeah. At least put a room at the bottom there with them, some spikes or something. <laughs> Make it useful. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was, was also interesting is so like she continues to build and build and build and build. Um, and then in the, it was like 1906, there was a giant earthquake that rocked this part of California and the top three floors of the house became uninhabitable and they had to remove them. So the house currently is still only four floors. So it lost its top three floors. Earthquake was, or ghosts? Thank you. <gasps> thank you. Uh, and I've seen a photo of the original structure. And it's just like the top three floors, quote unquote, they're insane. They're just like, it's like if you had like, hi, four-year-old, um, here's a bunch of candy. Now, tell me all about unicorns and, and like what platforms you'd want to watch them from. And they're like, oh, yes, let me decide it. You know? uh, and it's just, it's just, just utterly insane. And also the fact that this whole time she's making all of this money from gun sales and just going to building this fucking house and not helping anyone that also i'm like this is kind of awful but because of that there are so many angry ghosts that i'm sure haunted her every living moment which makes me kind of happy in some ways and (laughs) makes me want to wish i could have been there in that house going insane trying to find a door to nowhere or to somewhere either way um and you know running into priceless chandeliers and pieces of art that are like tucked away in a weird you know uh hallway that like goes from eight feet wide down to like one foot wide just because the builder that day felt fun um quickly it's an uh, interesting uh psychological uh analysis of perhaps she literally this was a manifestation of the guilt she felt for all of this, but then she felt like she had to keep funding it through more gun sales, which meant more deaths, which meant more guilt, which meant more doorways and windows, and, and it just an endless repeating vicious cycle. Yes, exactly. But the, but, but to the cucatorium, you gotta <laughs> have it. <laughs> well, I was gonna ask Mitch, what is your number one type of room you would have designed in said house? Oh my god! I mean, I I, I think like an ancient built out of like shells from the ocean there in California, I think a mirror room would be incredible. One where like, you're not sure where the corners are. Um, a fun house. You, <laughs> you yeah. want a fun house. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And and there's there's a skylight. So like during the day, it's just absolutely disorienting. Um, and maybe there's some rotation to it too. So once you walk in, like you're not walking back out the same way. Something, I, I, I don't know exactly how, but... Um, and uh, I, I thought for sure you were going to say the masturbatorium would have been necessary. <laughs> but well, but I've, always, st- I've always always said the masturbatorium is any room if you have enough imagination. <laughs> <laughs> you stole my joke. I was going to say I'm very creative, Nathan. Don't let me have my, my imagination. But uh, uh, but what so what what's really terrifying is that clearly this house drove this woman crazy, um, and. Uh, when she died, she mentioned this house in her will exactly zero times. That's weird. That is your wow. entire life. So did you read up on what happened? How did it become a public staple that people could visit? So her niece uh, became her assistant and was be- bequeathed everything at the end. So like she got control of the house just by kind of like, de facto because the lawyers were like well you got everything you know else it. yeah so you get this too she she cleared the house out of all of everything 
auctioned it all off. And because it was such a batshit, crazily built house, uh, I'm assuming too, full of ghosts, full of spirits, full of, of curses, uh, local uh, uh, like inspectors declared it had like zero value. So an inv- a local investor bought it for like 140 grand in this would have been, you know, maybe like the 1920s or something there, maybe a little later than that. Um, and then literally within six months, they had bought and all got all new furniture inside there and opened it up and, and started tours. So um, it's kind of a bummer. The original furniture is not in there. I think that would have been uh, right. The real real selling point. There. I do remember back like. 20 years ago, probably seeing something on the travel channel or the discovery channel, some specials about this house they would run at Halloween. And yeah, this is a, this is a fascinating one. I would love to visit this someday. Yeah. And if if you want, uh, Helen Mirren plays Sarah Winchester in a film that came out in the past five years ish, I think called Winchester, isn't it? Yes. Yes. That is what, yeah, that's the name of it. So we'll have um, to look into that. All right. It is time to score our number four round. Sorry. Did you have one more thing? Oh no! I I was just gonna say this. This all super fascinates me because my favorite street in St. Paul, Minnesota, where I grew up, is full of giant old homes that are all at least a hundred years old. Big stone things, a lot of creepy nooks, a lot of creepy crannies, if you will. Um, and it just—I feel like always there's those there's those dark secrets in these rich families where you're just like either the main person or like a weird cousin. Or that, or that odd daughter just had that thirst for blood, you know. Uh, so. <laughs> and it is genetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have one follow-up question for Nathan. You said on a holiday that you get turkey and dressing. What is your definition of dressing in that sentence? Uh, I, I don't think I use the word dressing because that's not a word I use. I, I, my family always uses stuffing. Which is uh, quite... You confused me. You said dressing, and then you Did followed I? up with stuffing later. So the fact that you clarified it to stuffing means you're getting the full three points for this All round. Right, because there we go. dressing's Boom. messed up. Uh, just not dressing. It is stuffing. You stuff stuffing. it to the bird. You rip it out. Even if it doesn't make it to the bird, it's still fucking stuffing. Uh, and you brought up Christmas, my favorite holiday. So I'm glad we brought that up on a Halloween episode. Three points. <laughs> uh, Mitchell, what do you get? Uh, this is fascinating. I need to learn more about it, but I feel like uh, this leans too much on the supernatural for me. So I can only give you two points. Uh, we got a deep dive uh, into this in a future episode. I think the top five rooms in said house and uh, oh, we will we will wonderful. go into that later. So two points for you, sir. This is back to Nathan now for his number three. My number three, this is something where I don't want to be haunted by anything. I actually want to legitimately be the the haunter, the mm. specter. Uh, but this is a, a tradition called the Poe Toaster, which ran for, it. depending on what source you uh, read, from possibly as early as the 1930s up until 2009 then discontinued and it's now running in a different fashion which i will explain uh in a few seconds but so this happened every i think it's january 19th is edgar Allan poe's birthday oh. in, in uh in baltimore poe's hometown and uh there is a cenotaph which marks uh I don't think he's actually buried there. I don't know if anybody knows exactly where he's buried, but there's a church and a cemetery where there is the memorial. 
under the floorboards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, lame, lame. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> so, so what would happen? Uh, possibly as early as the 1930s, but definitely there's reference in print to it. I believe from 1949 onwards was uh, in the the middle of the night on Poe's birthday. A mysterious figure in in a cloak with a, a wide brim black hat and a scarf and a cane would uh, covertly sneak his way through like into the churchyard. He probably had some assistance from some people at the church who were also Poe enthusiasts who like maybe there was like one guy who might have known his identity or, you know, but it was very much kept under wraps and he would make his way to the gravesite, and then he would uh, place three roses on the tomb and then he had it would have a very expensive bottle of cognac and he would pour one drink and he would toast the memory of Edgar Allan Poe and then he would leave the the bottle of cognac with the rest of the you know probably 90% of it still there and then he would disappear into the night and this happened every year for decades and then it uh fuck me it started to develop a cult following as you know, people wanted to see him and nobody ever, nobody ever unmasked him. Uh, but people would stand like outside. They would try to figure out where he was coming from, but nobody ever caught him. There was one attempt in the early two thousands where people tried to unmask him, but eventually, you know, by that point people had started to respect the tradition. However, uh, in the late, like in the nineties, uh, some notes started to be left by the, the Poe toaster uh, that indicated that he was passing the torch to a, a son. And so then the son took over and it was, it got very bizarre. He would start leaving notes that were not exactly tasteful or in the spirit of the tradition. Like he, he, when the New York Giants played the Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl, he left a very pro New York Giants note. And that was <laughs> probably when the tradition jumped the shark. Yeah, it didn't go over very well. And then uh, in 2009, there was one like the guy from uh, I believe is the the Poe Museum there. Like there was the toaster had a signal to him to kind of let him know when he was coming or, or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently in 2009, the note that he left was so bizarre that he he didn't even release the contents of it to the public. And then uh, the next year, everybody showed up and the Poe toaster did not show up and the year after he didn't. So 2009 marked the exact 200th birthday of Edgar Allan Poe. So a pretty logical place to end it. So then uh, maybe I think it was 2016, the official Poe Museum people and the, the people at the church or the parish or whatever the case may be, started doing something during the day where there is a guy who's still anonymous, but he walks out playing the violin. And I looked this up on YouTube and it all seems incredibly cheesy, whereas the original (laughs) seems mysterious. And, you know, there's a real a real air of the spirit of Edgar Allan Poe about it. And so I would genuinely like to be. And of course, if anybody hears this podcast, they will now immediately suspect me if this ever happens i would love nothing more than to every january 19th to get dressed up in my cape and my wide-brimmed hat and covertly sneak through the tunnels or through the uh, catacombs of the church and then mysteriously appear drink my cognac and leave a, a cryptic 
and ethereal note and then just disappear into the night and never be caught. I would love to do that from now on to my, to my old age. I think it's a really beautiful tradition. I'm sorry I never got to see it. I think the way they're doing it now just is kind of lame. Uh, I could resurrect it. Of course, I've ruined that dream now by stating this publicly. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I love Edgar Allan Poe. I read some Poe stories every uh, October. Gets me in the Halloween spirit. So this would have been something really cool. Wow. I agree. I mean, this, I mean, I feel like a shitty son just ruined a really cool tradition. That's kind of what, <laughs> yeah. what this all happened. Yeah. Like, this isn't, I'm, I'm going to change it. I'm going to make it my own. And you know what? These notes are going to get wacky. <laughs> <All right? laughs> I, I do, I do love that it was kept under, like, still to this day, nobody knows who the original guy or the son was. Uh, which I think is pretty ama- it, that would be so hard to do now, um, yeah, I, almost impossible. But I, I do think it's really cool that this went on for so long that both the that guy and any accomplices he had were so dedicated to it that it never slipped. And also mm-hmm. the people who went to view the tradition were all for so long unanimously dedicated to respecting it that they didn't yeah. try to sabotage it in any way. Are there any yeah. stories or oral traditions or theories that people think that if this is not a real person doing this, that it is Edgar Allan Poe himself? Is that in any of the readings that you did? Is, do anybody believe that? Uh, no, I, I think it's it's sort of a, in the back of people's minds a romantic you know idea, but it's you know if it's something witnessed by ghost stories as we know them are usually like there the thing about ghost stories is there's usually not a lot of witnesses yes and this is one where like uh a lot. maybe like 150 people might have showed up every year to to look at this so yeah um it's it's only uh in fun that it would be treated like like that i know you said cognac too but like my brain went to only seeing the shadow of like tim meadows drinking Cavassier at this tombstone site <laughs> right away. That's where my brain went. And I was like, this is a totally different type of tradition. It, that was, that was one thing I found weird when I was initially researching this was, uh, Cognac is not mentioned in any post stories. Like you, you think like Amontillado, the most famous drink he, he mentions. Mm. But, uh, so I, I did dig a little deeper than it. It appears that the, the, the toaster himself left a note at one point that indicated that was actually sentimental to his own family and didn't have anything to, to do with Poe. So it was him adding to the tradition. Right. Hmm. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. That's another one I did not know about. So, uh, all of our Baltimore fan, thank you for <laughs> sticking around to hear that. One. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We are uh, huge in Baltimore. We're huge. Enormous. Enormous. Enormous in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say. Is that what people from Baltimore sound like? <laughs> yes, it is. They they sound they they sound uh, vaguely uh, Bostonian. That's absolutely what they sound. Like. Uh, I don't know. I watched I watched all five seasons of The Wire. I don't remember that. <laughs> so, so did I. Absolutely. Do you not remember uh, what, what was his name? What was uh, Idris Elba's character? Um, uh, Stringer, Stringer Bell. Bell. Yeah, remember when he when he'd be like, uh, "Yeah, this is know, Stringer. I'm Idris Elba. I'm Stringer Bell." Yeah, that was. <laughs> it's like, 
That's how you stack that paper. I, that, I think that's how he said it. I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure. But, um. The Baltimore Stringer Bell Witch. That's what will be coming next week. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Mitch, your number three, if you so do, please. Number three. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're doing. Uh, yeah, we're doing the episode. Okay. We're in a um, goddamn okay, so, show, bro. So my this is another one. This is another. I feel like this is a perfect start to a horror film. Um, it has all the ingredients of it, and this uh, I've experienced. This is another character I've experienced uh, in my life. This is someone. Um, his name. This is a real, real guy. He is now deceased. Uh, so I, I, I can, I can speak ill of him as I will now. But um, uh, it, it was an old gentleman. Uh, his name was Harlan. He lived at the end of a lonely cabin road near my grandparents' farm. And I have memories of him as a child, him walking, ambling about. Uh, You'd see him walk by during holidays when I would be visiting my family. Uh, But the, the origin of this horror story for me, though, is one night we're leaving because my grandparents only lived about two hours away from uh, our, our, our home. We would we would drive home at, at the end of uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas. We would rarely stay overnight, so it's late uh, Thanksgiving. Perhaps a bit of driving snow, a couple inches of snow, um, which would happen a lot in Minnesota. And we're we're pulling out, and this figure gets in front of our car, and like you know, hey, whoa, 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 gives us the gives us the two waving hands, like caution, hold on here. And it's Harlan, and he comes, and he comes walking next to the car. He he doesn't have a coat on; he's just like in maybe a shirt jack or something. And it's it's cold out, um, and it's Minnesota, so everything's like another like just subtract fifteen degrees, and that's Minnesota at all times, pretty much. <laughs> and and he insists that my dad like roll down the windows, like roll down the window. And uh, of course, this is just with a hand motion, and then so my dad puts down the window, and he's like, hey. Harlan, and now my dad grew up on this farm where you know we're we're at this holiday. So my dad is known, or is known of Harlan since he was like a teenager when Harlan moved in. Harlan's never been married. Harlan's always lived alone in a house. Harlan has not improved his house or done anything to advance his life really since you know the the the. I, I have to I have to interject here, and I am yeah. aware in my life of three people named Harlan. Mm-hmm. And you have described exactly every one of them to a T. <laughs> okay, well then this is this then this is a television series. This is not a one-off film. Then this is multiple episodes, multiple people. Four uh, Harlands Tuesdays on CBS. <laughs> yeah, none of them know how to cook for themselves. Uh, okay, uh, but, Chuck uh, Laurie brings you. Go ahead. Yeah, and so so Harlan's like rolled down the window and he's like, "Hey, how's like hi, how's it going?" <laughs> and my dad's like good harlan hi how are you like what the fuck it's 9 30 thanksgiving night what the fuck do you want yeah and he's like and then he's like well i just uh i just i found these just up the road i thought i thought uh your boy in the back there might want him like <laughs> what? motioning to my older brother andy as he holds up a pair of boxer shorts what <laughs> loose pair of boxer shorts? Are you kidding me? Swear to God. And 
What did my dad, dad say? My dad was. This is see. This is why Minnesota also sucks because my dad wasn't like, "What the fuck? Get away from us! Yeah. Back up!" Or just slammed on the gas and left. My dad was so polite. He's like, "I that." Thank you, Harlan. And he took the pair of boxer shorts. <laughs> no, please yes. don't tell me this. He took the pair of boxer shorts. 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 From a man named never- Harlan. Oh, I feel like this would have been somehow been less insidious if it was like August 7th. Like being Thanksgiving night just adds this extra sinister, sinister twist to it. Right, the time, like, the snow, everything makes it so much weirder. And, you know, again, it's it's the perfect start of a horror movie because, again, Harlan, he's never, never had a partner, never had kids, just has always lived by himself out in this little house. Like, all the other houses around are like, they've added on to them, they've updated them, and Harlan sits there in that shack frozen in time walking that little lonely road he's a Uh, purist he is offended by the modern invention of boxer briefs presenting loose pairs of boxer shorts he's supposedly found on the road that's just it there's a whole nother part of this the presenting to you and your father and your brother is already weird enough Mm -hmm. he came upon said boxers in a Where did they come from? Somewhere. I do remember. I, I have a picture of this. I was at the uh, Irving Park Blue Line L station here in Chicago, yeah. and on the far side of the tracks, this is uh, the Irving Park Blue Line station. On either side, it's at highway level on an overpass, and on yeah. either side there is the highway. So you don't access this from the far side but on the far side of the tracks from the platform where i was standing was a pair of blue jeans mm-hmm. and i do not know that story but i have <laughs> it has haunted me ever since what happened to where did the blue jeans come from who took them off how did they get to that geographic point yeah that will bother me for the rest of my days yeah yeah. And this, Did you ever and think this. about grabbing them, picking them up, and offering them to Mitch or I? No. <laughs> I was. I wanted nothing to do with these blue jeans. Yeah. Well, that's, that's your problem. All right. <laughs> well, okay. You know what's also creepy about this is that I have a very big family. So we were not the only car leaving from the house that night. And also the fact that he looked at. I, who knows if he, if he just sussed it upon getting next to the car or if he i mean he knew my dad for many decades he knew mm-hmm. my dad was maybe he had been watching my brother and like saw like ooh this this husky boy needs a pair of boxer shorts <laughs> i don't know hey, his but, his current his current under britches aren't sitting right so <laughs> right yeah and uh and and then also as as an aside the way the harlan story ends the last the last thing of note i heard about harlan was that he was forcibly removed and then arrested, detained, because he would not leave an RV World um, uh, showroom floor, a place where you buy <laughs> RVs. He made a scene and wouldn't leave, and they had to call the cops in central Minnesota. 
I don't know what he did, but he would have had to do a lot to get the cops called on him. So look at this aisle of of recreational boxers. How many people have gone missing to leave these here? Right. It comes for, like what kind of scene could you pop? Is he going to purchase an RV? Is, is, is how, many, how many, how many, uh, yeah, boxers is he going to pick up in an RV when he like, you know, gets young men into the RV? I don't know. I don't know. There's so much know. storage. So much storage. Is, is Harlan still alive? Do we know? No, Harlan died. Uh, it's it's probably been close to a decade now that he's been dead, but. Yeah, Harlan's, yeah. Are, Harlan's are going to go extinct if they aren't already because nobody's naming their baby Harlan. It's no. like, like, oh, well, what, what are you going to have if it's a, if, like, what are you going to name it if it's a girl? Oh, uh, Jessica. And if it's a boy? Oh, uh, Salvador. And what if, what if you're going to have a 78-year-old man? Harlan. Yep. <laughs> There's no, ba- can you imagine a baby Harlan? I what the just fuck picture, is baby Harlan? I'm just I can, picturing like a white rural family picking El Salvador <laughs> over Harlan in their baby book. Where's her? This seems more logical in rural Minnesota There's, for our family line than Harlan. In, in in Helsinki, they're naming people Salvador more often than they are Harlan. Oh, it's, good lord. Also, I could see every Harlan have, I've ever known, and I the three that I've known, I think I never saw any of them not in uh, bib overalls. Oh, <laughs> oh, classic outfit! Absolutely, yeah. That's so Harlan. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to talk too much trash on the bib overalls, only because my grandfather wore them without shirts, uh, so we could get those sweet bib overall tan lines uh, late. Uh, until the year he died. Oh, but yeah. Overalls are coming back. I'm just saying Harlan's... Yeah. The, uh, overalls should be a part of a balanced wardrobe. But <laughs> the, the Harlan's of the world, it's a strict, just all overalls all the time. <laughs> in my experience. Yep. We're going to yep. say overalls, good on the farm. Maybe don't wear them to the showroom floor yeah. of your nearest RV world. Uh, mm-hmm. Nathan, uh, for... what? What was your number three? <laughs> what was this one again? It was the 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 ever so memorable Poe toaster, okay, of course. Poe, we were still on Poe. I couldn't remember if we had another one before that. Poe, I have down here three points for it because I love the mysteriousness of this one. And Mitch, I was going to give you three points as well, but you used the Minnesota phrase "shirt jack," and we don't <laughs> use that down here. So you're going to get two points. Uh, <laughs> that's not a thing. My Back dad to- is going to send you an, an an angry email. Uh, I mean. Angry in quotations, but yeah. Um. It, it pains me to have to write this, but I'm so sorry that shirt jack is never. No. Uh, My dad loves Mitch, a shirt jack. He loves a shirt jack. So he's got four of them. Shirt jack. Four shirt jack Daryl. All right. <laughs> Nathan, you're number two, please. I don't even know what a shirt jack is. Uh, okay. Number two. Uh, uh, number two is. The ghost <laughs> of none other than Abraham Lincoln. Ooh. Oh, what I, this is too sexy. This is too sexy of a pick. <laughs> well, too it, sexy it's, of a pick. Oddly enough, it's gonna get sexier. Uh, <laughs> so I'm I am the son of an Illinois lawyer. I have uh, my my senior prom and my junior prom. Uh, I went to school with about seven people, so it was <laughs> slim pickings. It, it was a whole village prom. 
But it, it was actually at the site of a Lincoln Douglas debate. And uh, you there, there's a, a, a statue, or not a statue, uh, not even a bust, just like a gigantic copper Lincoln face. And <laughs> it was a there, this is several places in, in Illinois. There's, there's sta- maybe when I say several, I might mean two. But <laughs> um, like there's 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 one definitely at Lincoln's tomb. It's like yeah, you rub you rub the nose, and so he's got like a real shiny nose. Yeah, uh, sure. This is a, this is a thing. Anyways, Lincoln didn't show up at my prom. Um, that was and oh. yeah, and boy, it would have spiced things up because my prom was not exciting. <laughs> uh, we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> um, so wait, was it was it not that spicy because the music wasn't that good, or was it was was the well, pre dance dinner? Did that leave something to um, to desire? The, the dinner did suck. I can confirm that. But also, I I graduated high school with twenty two people in my class, about a hundred students in the high school altogether. Mm-hmm. Prom was like maybe there were like a few other people from outside schools who had been invited, and then like a good. 14 to 16 teacher chaperones there and so it was it was it was everybody i had seen every single day of my life for the last 18 years which was the totality of my existence we had all been around each other forever it was just like it's like yeah this is this is basically study hall in tuxedos it was (laughs) so boring um and, uh, and and let me guess, Nathan, you were always looking for a way to cut study hall. You were never there to study. I, yeah, I remember we went mushroom hunting a lot in your study hall. <laughs> um, we, we used to play a game called Stick Wars where we'd throw sticks at each other. <laughs> um, Whoa! Yeah, there was... There were some trees in the back, so it worked uh, out. Yes. Anyways, Perfect what was I talking wars. about? Abraham Lincoln. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah. So Abraham Lincoln, little known fact, he was assassinated. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. And, uh, <laughs> you know, wrongful death tied into ghost sightings and what have you. Correct. Uh, and I love Abraham Lincoln. I, I really do. This is legitimate. I absolutely love him. I think he was the most fascinating American who ever lived. And I would love to be haunted by him so I could talk to him. And all the hauntings I've heard tell sort of the same spirit of Lincoln of the the wise old sage but with a sense of humor uh, brevity is the soul of wit and Lincoln uh, you know in a few in a, in a short seven word sentence he could say everything uh, one of my most prized possessions is a book my grandpa gave me and it was printed in the 1800s called the wit and wisdom of Abraham Lincoln and it's all his letters and it is Absolutely fascinating. He's just such an intellect. Even in a, in a seven-second haunting or vision, I feel I like my life could change. He could turn things around. But then I'm going to give you a, a couple of uh, White House hauntings that have stuck with me that uh, I think are have stood the test of time because they're somewhat plausible. So the first was Winston Churchill was staying in the Lincoln bedroom, and he... Mm-hmm. Winston Churchill liked to end his evenings by taking a long, hot bath, drinking brandy, and uh, smoking a cigar. Yep. No surprise there. Yep. So, old Winston takes his bath, drinks his brandy, smokes his cigar in the Lincoln, gets up, doesn't put on a robe or anything. He saunters back into the Lincoln bedroom, and there is the ghost of Abraham Lincoln. (gasps) And he turns around... 
And uh, Winston Churchill says his words were, Mr. President, you've caught me at a disadvantage. And Lincoln just looked down and smirked and then uh, disappeared into the ether. (laughs) (laughs) And then the the other that I like is uh, Lyndon Johnson, when he was president, was, uh, you know, the, the Vietnam War was raging and and Johnson had been thrust into the presidency after Kennedy's assassination and he finds himself at a time of crisis and overwhelmed and it's three in the morning and he's strolling the halls and he doesn't know what to do and he wanders into the Lincoln bedroom and the ghost of Lincoln appears and he says oh Mr. Lincoln please tell me how do you handle an unpopular war and Lincoln apparently says don't go to the theater (laughs) <laughs> because you'll be killed ah yes one Great. two is this thing on <laughs> it's good advice it's good advice th- you know from what i know about lbj is he did most of his best thinking while on the toilet so uh i think maybe that story could be in the shitter too perhaps uh, ah, mm. you know i don't know i'm just i'm just i'm just putting it out there but um lbj lbj he he had the other. Like, I've heard a lot of LBJ stories. It doesn't sound like a very pleasant man to be around. But apparently, oh, he would. Oh God, no! He was awful. He, he would he would shake. He's a big man, six four, two fifty probably. He would shake yeah. your hand and just lean into you and not let go and just talk really loud into your ear and just like that's how he would <laughs> yeah. introduce himself. Just assert his dominance. Yeah, I I don't think I would enjoy meeting old LBJ, but. I, I I feel like if, if LBJ was a meal, it'd be like a 32 ounce porterhouse cooked <laughs> to burnt. And you're like, God, I gotta eat this. <laughs> like, Son might as well bitch. just just chew all the way through a saddle. Yeah, just like in your jaws. Yeah, it's just it's over by the end. You're like, Mitch. Oh, once again, you are ruining next week's episode of top five burnt presidential steaks. <laughs> <laughs> Stakes based on presidential personalities. There's so many ways we could take this. There, there is. There's so many. Um, I feel bad now, for Churchill. Like he, he, he meets a president that's so good with words, and he only gets a smirk. Is that? Just, it's either because Churchill is bad at writing a retort, or maybe Lincoln is the first and best stand-up comedian of all time. He would have been good. He would have been very good. Good with Gettysburg. the one My favorite. Gettysburg, is this thing on? <laughs> I, I got. I, I. My favorite Lincoln line ever is. It was about uh, about Ulysses S. Grant, uh, and so Civil War was going like shit, and then Ulysses S. Grant was pretty good. Long story short, and <laughs> and then a lot of Grant was unpopular with a lot of people because Grant was just drunk all the time. Loved yes. his whiskey. And so there, there's some telegrams in this this book. See, Lincoln would have been great on Twitter. And this is a great example of how great he would have been on Twitter. Is uh, somebody had said and was like, he's, you know, Grant is uh, just drunk all the time. He's just always drinking whiskey, whatever. And, and Lincoln responded, well, what kind of whiskey is he drinking? So I can send a crate of it to the rest of my generals. That's very true. That's good. That's good. I, th- I think in, in, in those days, too, it was like I think everyone ran on booze. So, like, whoever ran on the best booze was probably going to win, most likely, right? 
Yeah, and I, I, I can only imagine the, the best whiskey in 1864 <laughs> must have must have just tasted like paint remover. Oh, <laughs> Whatever God. one was drinkable. That's the best one. Yeah. All right. Oh I'm a little God. jealous of this. I wish I could uh, to uh, have the chance to meet uh, Mr. Lincoln as well. Uh, Mitchell, your number two, please. Yeah. So my number two would be to um, I've actually been to this place uh, in real life, and, but it was during the day. So I couldn't experience its true haunt, its true horror, um, its real spirits. But I would love to be there to experience the bone rattling, the soul crushing, horrifying nature of the Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia Ooh. during its during the height of its of its terror. Um, this was uh, again ahead of its time. Uh, it was um, built to look like a terrifying castle to to defer or to defer deter criminals. Excuse me. Um, and what was inter- interesting about this place is that they call it a penitentiary because it was the very first uh, prison of its kind to be built to try and create penitence or penitence. I can't say that word now. All of a sudden, in in its in its uh, in the criminals. So basically, they were not allowed to speak to each other, to the guards. They couldn't sing. It was trying to be complete silence. Um, they ate alone, they exercised alone, they read alone, they could only read the Bible. Uh, when they were taken out of their cells for perhaps medical care or to be moved, uh, a hood would, would be put on them. All the guards wore felt like slippies to make it as quiet as possible. And in the design of this prison, they thought that this peaceful nature, this Zen, if you will, would create... Uh, remorsefulness in the criminals. And it turns out when you leave someone by themselves and turn all the noise off and take away human interaction, everyone goes fucking nuts. And that's exactly what happened. And I've been to this prison and it was left in, in pretty much decay from, I'd say like 1940s on or whatever. Uh, but you stand in the middle rotunda and you can spin and see straight down the hallways of all the seven original cell blocks. And it's super, super creepy because each of them have a uh, like a rounded ceiling to it. And the light comes in from skylights. Mm-hmm. So it's this, it's this at once um, confining, uh, you know, uh, 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 obviously prison structure, but it feels like touched by God at the same time. There's light coming in. That's in fact like each cell. This also seemed very forward thinking at the time too when they built it. Each cell had its own toilet. Each cell had its own skylight, um, which would you know not be thought of in prisons at that time. Uh, and so it's like there's this light. So there's, it feels natural at some point, but it's just now it's like everything just feels like it's rotting. Oof. And like, like it's like the whole building is sort of like dying on top of you kind of thing. Um, and there are, you know, multiple, multiple stories to tell of, you know, uh, people going crazy in there, being sent to the uh, doctor and them just, you know, not knowing what the hell to do with them. Like just, you know, bloodletting or strapping them down and, you know, injecting them with chemicals to soothe them, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, a truly horrifying place. Um, the most famous inmate ever there was Al Capone. 
but in his cell, it was right near the rotunda. He had his own rugs. He had oil paintings. He had his own wine. Essentially, it was a little apartment for him, which many people think that he uh, set all this up to get caught and put into prison for like two or three years. I think he was there at the height of retaliation from his enemies to like remain safe from violence. Um, Makes sense. Which is kind of interesting. But um, this this prison first came to my attention, though, many years back because a classic MTV show called Fear. I don't know if either of you ever saw this, but it was a show, reality show. They had contestants, and they brought people to the most haunted places on Earth or in America. And they had to do challenges. So at, at, they went to Eastern State Penitentiary for one of the episodes. People had to go inside the cells and sleep for a night. They had to stay for seven hours. No, thank you. And Right? And so, uh, of course, there's going to be, I mean, spirits coursing through that place, uh, tortured uh, souls. Yeah, production um, assistants banging <laughs> vents. Yeah. No, 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 no. These were spirits and they were ghosts and they were spookies and, 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 and thrills in the night. Absolutely. No. Um, but uh, it, I, I went there. I toured it uh, a couple of Christmases ago and it is a... It is a, a truly chilling thing. And I stood in cells by myself. Like I like you could open the door and you could close it behind yourself. I closed the door and just like stood in a cell and literally uh, I did it like in maybe like six or seven, just trying to I don't know, soak up some kind of energy. And like the fifth time I did it, I literally it was like one of those classic cold air sweeps through you and just engages your entire spine. That's what I felt. It was truly, truly creepy. Um, and no, I, I will close with a quote from Charles Dickens himself, the legend. He visited the prison in 1842, and he said, The system here is rigid, strict, and hopeless solitary confinement. I believe it in its, eff- in, in its effects to be cruel and wrong. I hold this slow and daily tampering with the mysteries of the brain to be immeasurably worse than any torture of the body. Uh, he visited in 1842 when was it built 1829 holy moly yeah yeah this early in the country's infancy we came up with this yeah when this when this prison was built it was the largest building in the country too at the time at its at its construction so 1829 we came up with this yeah ugh that's uh, I don't need to know we're we're moving on I need to score this so I don't have to hear anymore about this damn no, prison you, you, just just google it the, those of you listening at home google it and get some photos up photos alone will will creep the hell out of you it is it is truly truly spooky stuff so oh I can't um, do this. I am thoroughly creeped out sir so you're immediately getting 3 points for this round yes uh Nathan uh I'm going to give you 2 points for this round as well and to try and keep us on time here we're going to move on to our number one so nathan mm-hmm. your number one for me please Am I, so i'm taking the uh title title of the episode is uh ha- well, hauntings you you wish you were haunted by something yeah, along something you were a party to said haunt so Not i wish had a party with a haunt but you were party <laughs> to a haunt I, I i wish that i had been party to a haunt on this yep. occasion I sure. wish so badly that I had been party to a haunt on this. and But this is a true story. Every word I'm going to say to you is true. But I wish I had been a party to a haunt. All right. Here All we right. go. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. 
So Give this is the, the Ghost in the Window. This took <gasps> place in Lincoln Park in 2007. Oh. So it was uh, May of 2007. It was May 30th of 2007. I remember this very vividly. And uh, I ended the school year and I was uh, venturing off to my uh, then girlfriend's house. She lived at the back of a brownstone, very near the campus of DePaul. First floor, but like, you know, raised first floor of a brownstone. And uh, there was uh, the brown line train. The brown and red line trains ran through like, you know, the alley, like just behind the house. Mm-hmm. And it was a very balmy May day. Wow. So no air conditioning in this particular apartment. So the window was cracked open. And uh, it was a a small little bedroom, you know, student housing or or not student housing, but student affordable housing. Yes. And so. So a a crappy apartment is what you're saying? (laughs) It was it was about as nice as or uh, slightly nicer than the one I live in now. And (laughs) it was charming. It was charming. Charming. Yes. Rustic. (laughs) Vintage. (laughs) Shitty. And. (laughs) And so we we were uh, it was it was late at night. So the bed was positioned like right by the window that we had cracked open. So like your oh, yeah. feet were about my feet were maybe twelve to eighteen inches away from where this window was that was cracked oh. open, and the apartment was like a raised ground floor. So maybe like yeah. ten feet off the ground is where the the window is, and uh, we we had just enjoyed some quality time together some special moments oh my gosh and then slow down, uh, slow down. hold on <laughs> uh, what did that so, so so what kind of pie did you guys share in bed is that, is that, is that what you mean you guys had some pie or something yeah it, it was a creme brulee actually Ooh. but less mess nice but, so the creme brulee had uh, been fully consumed mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> I, eyes were closing, uh, drifting off into dreamland. And so the thing about this apartment with the train was that the 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 lights at the the headlights of the train would pass by, and it would it would be quite you know jarring mm-hmm. while while you were asleep because it was you know so close. And so the lights came by and they hit me in the face, and I was like, oh geez, that's brighter than normal. And then I thought, I don't hear a train. I'm only getting light. There is no sound of train. So I roll over and I look to the window and I see about 18 inches away from my feet the outline of a man's head and a flashlight being held up pointing straight at me. And so I, and I'm proud of the way I reacted, I jump up and I scream, what the fuck? And I I. <laughs> My my girlfriend, who had already fallen asleep, I pick her up and I hoist her out of the room. Just like, like violently, like just get her out of the room. So gentlemanly. Great. And wow. then I, I slam the door and I turn around, turn on the light. And then there's nobody there. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what did what did I just see something? Did I just dream something? Was I dreaming? I was fully asleep. Was that? I, I don't know what the hell just happened. And so uh, did, did, my, did, 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 did the guy in the window look anything like the painting behind me right now? 
I well, so so like uh, I, I I the uh, the flashlight was in my eyes, so all I saw oh. was like a silhouette. I couldn't see it, a thing. That's the scariest. And, flashlights in your eyes are the scariest thing ever. It's terrifying. Absolutely and terrifying. So then, so then I, uh, my my girlfriend who had been asleep through this was really confused at what the hell was going on. For sure. And so she opened the door and was like, what is going on? And I was like trying to explain this. And I was very frantic and uh, she didn't really know what to make of it. But she, so she had a roommate. So we immediately checked on the roommate. The roommate's fine. But I at this point, I like I started to question myself. I'm like, did I just was this just like a bad dream, you know? And yeah. And so uh, we called 911 and the police came. And they were like, well, what happened? And they asked me my story and they're like, well, well come outside and, and show me like, like which window is it? And so we walked around and through the, the, the very thin alleys between the, the brownstones, you know, mm-hmm. like the little, the little walkways to the side doors. And we walked into the back. And so there's the window cracked open about 10 to 12 feet up. And underneath the window, a lawn chair had been dragged over and then a bucket placed on top. So somebody had definitely climbed up Holy and I did not imagine it. It really happened. And it, that was the scariest moment of my entire life to date. Oh, I shit myself. Not really, but uh, I was absolutely fucking mortified because until like, until I saw the chair and the bucket, uh-huh. I had been hoping I had oh, just dreamed imaginary. this. Imaginary, yeah, for sure. It had been, it had been yeah. an apparition, whatever. But yeah. no, it wasn't. That had actually happened. So, anyways, uh, my girlfriend and I, we we didn't stay the night there. We after the police report was filed and everything, we went to my dorm and I I laid in my uh, top bunk bed, staring at the ceiling. Did not sleep a wink. How Called my you? sister yeah. the next day crying and was like i want to leave this school i don't want to live in this city anymore i'm just i was just absolutely petrified too embarrassed to tell my parents um i was super young this is my first like serious girlfriend where staying the night was a thing that happened pretty regularly and and so i just didn't even tell them until like a few years later when I was with them and another friend and I was like, oh, yeah, this story. And my parents were like, what? <laughs> and yeah. I forgot I hadn't told them. And um, wow. luckily, the the reason I remember the exact date, May 30th, is because uh, my girlfriend was a senior. She was graduating. May 31st was the end of release. So luckily, literally the next day, her parents were showing up with a truck with like a pod thing on the back and moving them out. So none of us ever stayed another night in that apartment. What? But, uh, what? Yeah. That's that incredible. Is terrifying. It was uh, awful. And so the reason I say that's my number one is I wish I had been haunted. I wish that hadn't happened. I wish I hadn't seen the chair and the bucket. I wish because oh, it just God. chilled me to the absolute bone. Um, there's a lot of what ifs that, and I'll, I'll leave those to the imagination of anybody listening but wow. I've played them out in my head a thousand times. And uh, yeah, scariest thing that's ever happened to me. Wow. Well, oh my gosh. top that, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs>
Nathan, thanks for leaving like a lot of openings for jokes during that. Appreciate that. <laughs> wow, that's a cool guy. Um, cool guy. Uh, wow, that is absolutely uh, terrifying. Yeah. I, I, th- what, what, what that makes me think of is I've read the book and saw some of the HBO documentary about the Golden State Killer. And, uh, you know, that happened in California in the 70s, or whatever. And then going back and looking at, because um, he targeted homes that were designed a certain way, where they had a, like basically the the back of the home was all glass, um, and so when you are lo- of course when you have the lights on inside your home at night and it's all glass, you look out, you can't see the yard at all. Yeah. So that creep could just stand in the backyard and just like watch and study basically. Yeah, and study. Yeah. Um, it was yeah. yeah. I I mean I asked a lot of questions about how long had they been there? How like had they staked the place out? Did they just were they just an opportunist who saw an open window and thought they'd look in? I don't know. I don't know the answer to any of those. I've yeah. gone down all those rabbit holes. None of them were pleasant. It was yeah. It was it was uh pretty bad. I am yeah. so glad you told me this story after I have lived in a first floor apartment because if I would have known this. Two years ago, I would have not been a happy camper. <laughs> this is absolutely terrifying. Ah, uh, well, bitch. get it, get an air conditioner. That is the moral of the story. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, Mitch, you're number well, one. Yeah, this one, this one, um, I thankfully don't have as vivid memories of because I was a young child when it happened. But uh, this is also uh, ripped straight from the headlines of my own life. Um, and this is again another perfect germination point for a great horror film, and uh, that is when I was a very young boy. Uh, my parents they lived in a, an apartment complex in St. Paul, Minnesota, and uh, uh, on the weekends, my my mom she's a microbiologist. She would work at the hospital, so she was working the weekends. So it was my my brother. Uh, Andy, so I was probably, uh, I don't know, maybe one, one and a half or something, maybe two. My brother would have been four or five. Um, and uh, my dad would be, I'm assuming working, like he, he had a, a studio down in the basement of the apartment building. And my parents got a break on rent and they like took care of the building for that at the same time. So my dad had had a, a desk set up and he'd be working. So we kind of just kind of run around and, you know, my dad would work and kind of watch us. And, um, uh, that happened a number of times over weekends. We, you know, we were safe, whatever. My mom would come home, things seemed normal. And then she noticed uh, in the hallways, someone had taken photos of my brother and I. And some were of us looking at the camera, some were not. And they were put up in the, in the hallway with uh, scripture quotes and like what? some embellished, like flower embellishment or whatever. And, uh, Turns out the there was a woman that rented uh, a closet in the basement, like a large closet was her f- full abode that she rented. And this woman would entice or lure my brother and I away. Uh, sorry, Dad, to call you out here for not watching us cl- closely enough, but she would lure us away and take photos of us and I guess spend time with us and thought that our beautiful little child innocence need to be shared with the, with the building. And there was, I don't know how many, I think, I think it was like a 20 unit building, maybe more. I don't know. So there's enough people in the building that didn't need to have 
our photos up in the hallways with with scripture. No. Um, and my mom had to had to talk to the woman multiple times to get her to stop doing this or attempting to do it as well. Uh, and again, my mind only goes to why did she only rent a large closet that didn't have running water or a kitchen? Why was that enough to live in at this point? Like, but then she had a camera to take photos of kids and to post them. And like, and then I'm thinking, this is a great start for a movie where like this woman rents many closets and buildings all over the city and is like recruiting children for a cult or something. I don't know, but it just, it, it, it creeps me out to no end. And of course, you know, creepy photos of children who are unknowing and, and, you know, unwilling as well. And then scripture with it, like, Go, Ugh, go so jump off creepier. a cliff. Yeah. So you're, you're too young to remember. Does your brother remember this? My brother, his, his only memories is that this woman would talk to us. And okay. Didn't seem dangerous, but didn't seem I mean, cool. It's kindergarten. Either. Like, what are you going to remember? Like, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. That's that just so, so unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, you know, also like the, the basement of the building, it's not some beautiful finished basement. Like this is a fucking basement. Who's you know? also the landlord that says, yeah, you can rent that space. That's not yeah. weird at all. Yeah. Who's complicit in, in, in that? That's just so creepy. There was uh, a number of, of offsetting individuals that lived in the building. Um, and also actually my parents, they lived in a elevated first floor apartment too. And, uh, one day when, when everyone was out to work and daycare and whatnot, uh, there, I guess our whole place got robbed completely. So, oh, jeez, um, Yeah. Well, good news is that's, that wasn't the family home forever. That's yes. Horrifying. Yes. Thank God. Uh, but I mean, can you imagine though? Like I, I, I'm only thinking of the cops show up and the woman is like, Oh yes. Oh, what? Yes. I'm, I'm Mary Ellen. Uh, what? what happens to be the problem, you know? And they're like, step aside, you know, like we're going to go inside your closet. And then it's just photos, fucking, fucking floor to ceiling papered with photos of like young children throughout the, the neighborhood or whatever. It creeps me out to this, to the end of the day. Uh, it, oh, it just, it sends chills up my spine. Um, it, Nathan, your story oh. sent chills up my spine. This is a chilling episode, you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm chilled. I'm so uncomfortable. I am, I am very upset. We should not, one, have done this so late at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's, my clock on the wall says 2.14 a.m. Due, to, due yeah. to some extenuating circumstances and technical difficulties, we're recording at 2.14 a.m. for the Halloween episode. Yeah, we are Dumbest leaning into ever. it. We're leaning into it yeah. too much, I think. <laughs> so... I'm giving you guys both three points for this round because this is the first one. You guys really kept all the stops hidden for number one here. Uh, these are the only two that's actually gave me goosebumps and I still have them right now. They're fucking terrifying. What's even more upsetting is you guys were tied at 13 points each before this. <gasps> 13. And as you know, my bonus point was going to go to the person who gave me the chills the most. You both did it. So at a 14 points, we have a tie today because oh my gosh. at least it gets us off of 13 because that yeah, is that's true. horrifying. <laughs> what is wrong with us? Oh, my God. <laughs> wrong with oh. Us? oh my God. I guess now I got to do a fast five. It's uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks, but let's hopefully we can turn this around before we leave. Uh, here we go with my Fast Five top five scarring Halloween costumes to see on your loved ones. Number five, seeing your dad in a male plug costume when your mom dresses as an outlet. Like, come on, we don't need the reminders. As far as I'm concerned, my sister and I believe you two have only had sex twice and we want to keep it that way. Number four, seeing Uncle Greg's bulge in his two sizes, two small Spider-Man costume. First off, Greg, the mask doesn't cover your double chin. Uh, the top shirt is boycotting the pants with a beer belly barrier. And I didn't think Spider-Man wore capris. All right. Seeing super bad years later would finally provide the analogy of a division sign that you were looking for to describe this bulge monstrosity, you know, ball, dick, ball. And poor Uncle Greg, all potatoes, no meat. Sorry, Aunt Carol. <laughs> Number three. That time your sister wore a convincing clown getup. Now, you know it's your sister, but there is just something about the emotionless expression on her face after she consumed too much sugar. The makeup was just runny enough to etch the face of this terrifying despair in your memory. And this is the face that you'll see in the shadows, under your bed and behind doors well into your adulthood. Oh, fuck, that year did a number on me. All right, <laughs> number two. <laughs> Your friend's mom in a detailed yet non-sexual getup. There's nothing scary about this, but this is the moment you realize you won't ever care about anything as much as she cared about making that costume. You're only seven, and you know it's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, your hot cousin in a cleavage-heavy little red riding hood costume. I'm sorry, did, did I, oh, sorry, did I say hot? I meant I meant seeing her in a nurse in, in nursing rhyme type thing. Sorry, not nursing, nursery rhyme. It's not like you, you you know she's your cousin, but you're just worried that like she wouldn't, you know, like she'd be flaunting it out there and you're like, you know, you know how guys are. And it's just like you're the good guy here. You're just trying to look out. And I'm just I'm so confused. Is this is what therapy's for? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe this is normal. This is normal. I, I, oh God, what if I'm not normal? Is this the sort of something serious, long-term shit? First, is this then uh, wait, is this when candy loses its taste? Wait, I still like candy. Twix is my favorite. I got a lot of Twix. Yeah, I'm gonna eat this whole bag of Twix. Twix makes everything okay. <laughs> and that is the fast five <laughs> costumes that scarred your childhood. Uh, that's this week's edition of Uber Cinco from the hellish haunts of Old Irving Park has been Nathan George Henenfent. And from a top Sopico's magnificent manor has been Mitchell Anthony Brinkman. And I have been Brian Erst. And as Bizbear always says, uh, hey, that's not my thigh. Auf Zane and adios. <laughs> You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash ubkstudios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Yeah.